Hello, visionaries. Drum roll, please, because we are doing the convention countdown today, 22 days until the lights go down and the curtains come up on the first ever unconventional convention. Check out our website at www.avision4u.info for further details. But now listen up to this next great opportunity being presented today regarding convention. We have fellows that have rooms at the Wyndham Hotel, which is the very site of our convention, that want to share their room. Imagine being on location for this spectacular convention at this late hour, and there's opportunity here. But you may say, I don't have a ticket. There's no tickets to be had because you're all sold out. Well, ha, 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 that's the next big piece of news that I have to give you today. We have folks that have had to cancel for good reason, and they're offering to sell you their tickets right now. What a terrific last-minute deal. So here's what you have to do now. If you are at all interested and have been on the edge and want to get these tickets in these rooms, call me, Melanie C., at 541-908-1221 Pacific Time. That's Melanie C. at 541-908-1221 Pacific Time, and we will do the big hookup for you on this opportunity. And I'll be standing by to take your call. And now, without further delay, let's get started on the doctor's opinion. And I'm going to turn it back over to you, Janice. Good morning. And good morning to you. Oh, what a day today is, huh, with the new announcement in the doctor's opinion. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today's Friday, October 8, 2015. Today we're reading, and we're in a new, a new chapter, The Doctor's Opinion in our big book, and we're on page XXV. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Jane S., the 12 traditions, Barbara K., and our readers of the text are Kathleen W., Michelle M., and Lisa, and I'm sorry, Iris G. And today, I'm sorry, uh, our share ID for yesterday, Thursday, October 8th, 2015 is 8094. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 
at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive <clears throat> overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jane S. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Jane S. Recovered from Pennsylvania. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you, Jane S. I will now ask Barbara Kay to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And you would press star one to unmute, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Barbara Kay, Grateful Recover, Recovering Compulsive Overeater, 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an AA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees that are directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence, the OA name or never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. 
We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you, Barbara Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. Well, today we resume our study in a brand new chapter, The Doctor's Opinion, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page XXV. And our first reader, we're going to begin um, with the line, We of Alcoholics Anonymous. um, The first reader will be reading only six lines, ending with, "Have, Have Witnessed Our Return to Health. At this time, I will ask Kathleen W. to please begin reading. Hi, this is Kathleen W. from Arizona. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. You know, it wasn't until I studied this chapter that I was able to recover after many years of relapse and return to health. And um, I didn't understand what, what, what my problem was until I studied this chapter, and we'll, we'll find out what that is as we read further. And um, I wanted to focus on a couple of things. The plan of recovery described in this book, and they're referring to the 12 steps. And that was the only thing out of everything I tried that that um, helped me to recover. And, and then it talks about um, the suffering. Tundin's testimony surely... Must come must surely come from the medical men who have had experience with the sufferings. And <clears throat> I'm, I know me. I'm sure a lot of people on this line know what the suffering is from this disease. You know, I suffered a lot, and um, I thought that that was just a, my you know my lot in life. How I would you know I would suffer through my life with this disease, but. Um, then it says our members, um, the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. So our return to health is, um, it's telling us about hope 
you know, there is hope in this book and it there is a solution and we don't have to live that way anymore. And with that I'll pass. Well thank you so much, Kathleen W. Okay. Who would like to comment on these six lines? The doctor's opinion. Hi, this is Nessa. Larry. I heard I heard a woman. Is it Nessa? Melissa Nessa Melissa C. Melissa C. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Melissa C. And then I heard and Nessa Larry. R. I Nessa heard Larry. R. And then I heard Nessa R. And Reva P. And Reva P. Okay, let's go with that group. Melissa C., you're up. Thank you. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, to go from suffering... <laughs> to being restored to health is just um, unbelievable. And, um, you know, so this morning I I was writing and I was reflecting on just what that suffering meant, you know, how did it manifest itself in my life? Because now that I'm not suffering, um, I still have to stay in close contact with what that suffering was or I'm in danger of, um, you know, of forgetting and if I forget, then, you know, it can all be mine again. And so, you know, the, the physical suffering um, was tremendous. You know, weight being over 300 pounds, my high blood pressure, everything hurt. You know, my knees hurt. Um, I thought that heartburn was normal. I thought everybody suffered with heartburn. And, um, you know, and then my suffering was I didn't sit comfortably in chairs, and that's humiliating to be spilling over, you know, on an airplane and worrying that you're, you know, on top of someone else sitting next to you, invading their space, Um, you know, suffering, um, nothing sitting in my closet, you know, and and crying, how did this happen to me, you know, because it seemed like my weight fluctuated tremendously from month to month, week to week, um, you know, and then I was thinking this morning that I missed a friend's funeral because I was in so much suffering. My ego was so tremendous. I was so embarrassed of my weight that I didn't go to a funeral for a friend because I didn't want her family to see me. And, you know, and so now to be restored from that, truly from following the directions in the book, you know, not not from a diet, not from another weight loss plan, not from therapy, um, following the 12 simple steps that are outlined here. And so today I'm restored to health. You know, none of those physical um, sufferings exist in my life today. You know, my blood pressure is normal. I don't have heartburn. My knees don't hurt. I'm in a Oh, you know, my body is getting smaller, but I sit places, I'm normal size clothes. Um, and and now, God forbid, I lose somebody, I'm not so um, stuck in my own ego that I can't be of use to them anymore. You know, that was the most painful thing of all, how, um, how that rendered me helpless and, and unable to do any good. And that's not who I am today. Thank you, God. That I'll count. And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Larry K., you're up. 
Hi, Janice. Good morning. Larry Kay, um, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. So, the, yeah, the doctor's opinion, it gives us, um, you know, a rational basis from which to begin our examination of the problem. And, you know, if, if we don't fully grasp what our problem is, the rest of this big book, which is going to lay out the precise instructions to enable us to get well, it, it's not only confusing, but it may appear to be unnecessary. I know it did for me. And so, I mean, until one fully grasps the problem, which Dr. Silkworth lays out in his medical estimate here, you know, my experience is we'll never see this practical, practical program of action all the way through to fruition. And, you know, as long as I didn't know where I was going, I'm going to continue to seek out, you know, an infinite number of pathways to, to get me, kept me there. And each one, you know, led to failure for me. Um, you know, the, uh, so who was Dr. Silkworth? Well, you know, we learned he, he was, well, he was originally trained as a, as a neurologist. And at some point he met Charlie Towns, who had been searching for, you know, a physician to run his hospital in New York, you know, this hospital to treat uh, alcoholics and other addicts. And Dr. Silkworth went on to devote his entire career to helping alcoholics. You know, this guy knew what he was talking about, um, there were many thousands of addicts that came for treatment at Towns Hospital. And so I would suggest that Dr. Silkworth's medical opinion of alcoholism, you know, without that, that, you know, very, very informed medical opinion, AA would never have materialized. And you and I wouldn't be on the line this morning. You know, it's only when we clearly understand the problem that we're led to its solution. And, you know, I know for me, you know, the, the, uh, the medical community, um, you know, a lot of times after talking to, a, you know, a very well-intentioned, say, mental health professional <clears throat> or other doctor who's not, you know, fully informed on, on our particular disease, you know, the, you know, what they're providing is more control, controlling binges, you know, finding a way to control. And actually, for me, what I learned after the doctor's opinion in the solution that has worked for me, it's gotten me well, is that it wasn't about control at all. If I continue to go on to control something, you know, we'll, we'll learn about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind in, in, in this opinion. But, you know, until I, you know, fully learned what I was up against here, I'm never going to take these steps. And I'm just going to come on this line and listen and sort of try to catch what some other recovered people have. I'm just not going to do the work myself. So it's, uh, it's a very, very important, important part of this, uh, this process. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Nessa, R, it's your turn. Hi, good morning. It's uh, Nessa R, recovered in Toronto, Canada. It's so hard to go back to listen to the recording after spending the whole summer um, of the live meeting. Um, it's not going to work every day. But uh, for today it works, and I'm glad that I can I can be here. And uh, I um, I want to concentrate on the word plan of recovery because this uh, this eluded me for the first few years that I was in program and uh, found myself. Now I know I didn't know it then, but now I know that I was just working a plan of abstinence. I was going to meetings, I was talking to people, I was enjoying the fellowship, I was using all the tools. 
and I was getting abstinence, but I wasn't able to keep my abstinence. And um, now I know that it's because um, a plan of abstinence is not enough. Not only it won't get us um, abstinence, but it won't get me um, recovered at all. You know, the plan of recovery is simple. It's the 12 steps. Um, page 19 of this book says that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning, which to me it means two things. Number one, that nothing can happen until I put my alcoholic food down. That's, that's, that's first and foremost. But it also tells me that elimination of our drinking cannot be the goal. Abstinence cannot be my goal. My goal has to be recovery. And for me to be recover, recovered I ha and stay recovered, I have to put down the food and the food has to stay down no matter what. And then I have to work the steps and keep working them every single day of my life. And that's what a plan of recovery is as opposed to a plan of abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. Okay, Reva P., it is your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And it's so exciting that we're reading this uh, chapter. Um, for me, as was already shared, if I don't understand a problem, then I can't understand what the treatment is for that problem. Um, and they use the word suffering. What was I suffering from? I thought I was suffering from binging my brains out. And all I had to do was stop doing crazy behaviors with food and life would be fine and I could just go back, live my life, and thank you very much. Um, but thank you, God, for this doctor um, who wrote this chapter because as he will outline, I had no clue that I had an inside problem. The outside was the symptom my problem was, as it will explain, twofold. It was the allergy of the body, and I had no clue that there was an obsession of the mind, that I was full of resentment, I was full of fear, that I couldn't um, have healthy relationships. I had no clue. And the food and the crazy behaviors with it were like the tip of the iceberg, and I was suffering totally suffering and miserable. Um, and I need to understand that in detail before I can understand why I need to do these steps, why I need to take a moral inventory, because my thinking was insane and I didn't even know it. The other thing that this reminds me is it's a WE program. I thought I was the only one, and thank you, God, there are now lots of WE's who not only have done this, but are in the solution. With that, I pass. Well, thank you, Reva P. Is there anyone else that at this time would like to share on the first six lines? I'd like to share. Oh, this is Raquel calling from Israel. Okay. Before, uh, before Raquel, there's somebody. Nancy R. Nancy R. Okay. Yes. And then we have Raquel. Anyone else? Kathy K. Kathy Kay, and another one, another person. All right, let's go with those three, and perhaps we can go on. Okay, Nancy R., you're up. Hi, good morning. My name is Nancy R., 
from a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, one word stood out uh, in that pa- in, in those six lines. The word returned, and for me. And in order to return, that means I have been somewhere. So where had I been in order to return? And uh, the shares, the previous shares, really uh, spoke to uh, my thoughts. I returned. I had been in hell. I had been in a food hell, and I had tried every conceivable thing within my power and my means to get out. That's where I had been, just in a quagmire, in a quagmire. And I was not, I was physically, mentally, and emotionally bankrupt, ill. And what this program has given me is what is outlined in this book, and that is uh, recovery. Recovery, that's what the doctors witness. Uh, That's what my doctor has witnessed in me, Uh, uh, the physical recovery that I have been maintaining 100-plus weight loss since 93. And uh, that is the, uh, the strength of this program. People are able to witness the physical, but those of us that are in the 12 steps rooms and, and, and are living the program recognize it's, it's that, that that is only one part of that, that. That is only one leg of the stool, the physical recovery. So I thank you for letting me share. I got a lot from the shares this morning. Thank you. And thank you, Nancy R. Okay, Raquel, you're up. Raquel, star one to unmute, please. Can you hear me? I can hear you good, yes. Uh, good morning, Janice. Good morning to all my sweet friends um, there online. Oh, it's so exciting to start all over again uh, and, and be together with you. It's such a privilege. Um, I would like to relate to these two, um, th- three things, actually. Let's see if I can keep in time. Recovery and return to health. It doesn't say the word disease yet, but it implies, well, what do you recover from? From being healthy. What did I recover from? From being super healthy, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So recovery and then return to health, it just, it's so beautifully written. It's just a hint, you know, like with the gun at the beginning of the, at the first scene, probably going to be shooting and smoke at the end. The recovery and the return to health imply that there is a disease. And I, 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 I'm sorry, I can't stop being a little bit, you know, sarcastic about it, but in OA, we always started with how it works, how the heck what works. You didn't understand the problem. You didn't understand the solution. Now you want to know how to apply a solution to a problem you didn't understand and a solution that you never heard of. So slowly, and you know, he's going to really reel us in, but this is beautiful, beautifully written. And then the the thing of uh, the suffering, with the suffering, it just reminds me, a wonderful psychiatrist that I worked with when I got divorced, and 
and took my, uh, it was a question of children's custody. It was, a, it was a child psychiatrist in Hartford, and I, I kept on going to him for about 10 years, and he'd look at me with such compassion and say sometimes, I think that I now better understand your suffering when I would explain things to him and about he didn't know about compulsive eating but I soon enough started explaining to him and he would say now I understand the suffering so uh, with that I pass it's just beautiful thank you and I wish everybody a good wonderful day of recovery thank you I pass and thank you, Raquel. Thank you. And Kathy Kay, please, you're up. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Janice, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And, you know, <laughs> taken back to um, the first 10 years I was in program, starting in 1993, where I felt such relief only from knowing other people who suffered the way I did. Um, it was that identification that that struck me very early. The problem was uh, I achieved on and off abstinence and a bit of serenity, but nothing persistent, because I didn't understand what my problem was. I knew those first 10 years, I was no longer alone with it. I knew some actions I could take um, to achieve short-term abstinence, but it wasn't until I read the doctor's opinion and studied the doctor's opinion that I began to understand my problem. Um, it's really no mystery anymore to me um, why it took me um, 13 years before I was able to begin to solve my problem, and it had to do with the lack of understanding of the twofold nature of our disease, physical and spiritual. Um, and I'm just so grateful for this book and grateful for those who came before me who had been in the rooms with me and then discovered <clears throat> the big book and the importance of studying the big book. So um, I'm very grateful today, and I look forward to reviewing this chapter yet again. I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. Is there anyone else before we move on that would like to comment? Mary Kay. Mary Kay. Anyone else? Okay, take it, and you'll be the last one, and then we'll go on, Mary Kay. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. My name is Mary Kay, and I am a grateful surrenderer to the God of my understanding, and by his grace and the grace of, of the, the wisdom of these words, uh, recovering from compulsive overeaters. That's my new identity these days. Um, and I wanted to respond, thank you, to the the, uh, the experience of suffering and the return to health as well as the others have so well. Um, I wrote a note here. Um, I've lived with chronic pain for so long that I thought it was normal. I forgot even to tell the doctor my pain. And, and when I did remember I, and felt the pain, I would say, so what do you expect? 
You carry all this weight. You've carried it for decades. You chose this. And I put myself into a punishing mode. And, and I am in my sixth decade of life, and it's only been this year that the 12 steps came to me, and I did not know the doctor's opinion. I did not know the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and I'm so grateful for this program and and the return to health because um, health is coming. Thank you, God, one day at a time, and that's all I have. Thanks. I pass. And thank you for sharing, Mary Kay. Okay, we're going to go on. Michelle, if you could start reading. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, excuse me. Good morning, Deanna. Thanks for your service. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in St. Louis, Missouri. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group. They may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. And um, my timer. Yes, I'm. I'm excited too. Is um, we're starting this chapter, the doctor's opinion, and um, and this part of the um, chapter is introducing us, um, introducing me to this nationally prominent specialist in alcoholism, and he's he's um, he's writing this letter to me, to whom it may concern, and to any um, who is suffering. You know, giving me hope, as I you know I later found out as I. I was introduced to this chapter, and, you know, for so many years I'd been searching for doctors. I'd been searching through self-help books, um, anybody who had an MD after their name or Ph.D. after their name that um, could tell me what was wrong with my body, could tell me, you know, I knew there was something wrong with me and I was abnormal, but I didn't know what it was, and I certainly felt hopeless. You know, I, I, um, I wanted to quit eating compulsively and to stop overeating, but I couldn't. And I couldn't find a way out until this book was introduced to me in this chapter in particular. And, um, you know, so he's, he's bearing witness um, that he has seen this program work. He has seen this plan of recovery that will come to find and you know as a, a new way of living, these 12 steps, um, that really what he's telling, telling me here and telling all of us is that um, he's seen this 
this recovery. He has seen someone recover who was hopeless, someone like me who was hopeless, couldn't quit, wanted to, but has recovered. And um, we hear that word um, in this book, and that gives me hope. Um, You know, page 17 says, recovered, they have solved the drink problem. Uh, You know, I wanted um, a solution, but first I had to find out, like others have said, what is my problem? And um, this wonderful um, physician who cared for alcoholics um, had a theory. He had an opinion about what the problem was, and he shared that with us and shared it with me personally um, through um, the efforts of, like, what he saw, you know, this one man, Bill W., who had these ideas of how to pass this on to other people. It was passed on to me, too. Um, other methods had failed completely for me, and, and I was at that jumping-off point. And I, um, I'm so grateful for this, um, for this man who um, was an expert and um, worked with so many people, cared with so many people, and saw them recover and cared enough, um, you know, to give us this letter to say he's a witness. And, he's, um, and, you know, then I came into these rooms and there were other witnesses. Um, and, and you guys were my witnesses to me to show me that you could come from a place of hopelessness um, to a place of being recovered, not cured, but recovered where the problem had been solved. And I, too, have come to rely absolutely on what recovered people say today, that it is the truth. And it has been what has helped me to come out um, from the depths of my despair, my um, my problem, um, and so yeah, it is with gratitude um, um, that I feel like I've been able to share in this letter and to say to whom it may concern, that is me, and if it's you, there is hope for you too. And um, thanks, I'll pass. And thank you, Michelle M. Just a, a gentle reminder to um, let's uh, mute our phones when someone else is sharing, and then you can unmute it when you are sharing. Who would like to share on these paragraphs? You can share on all of them, of course. Anyone? Renata. Paula D. Sally. <laughs> We're going to start all over again. Let's see. Uh, first, is it, was there a Chris first? Renata. I heard Renata. Was there somebody before you, Renata? Anybody? Chrissy. Chrissy. Yeah, Chrissy. Lindsay? Was it Lindsay or Chrissy? Lindsay. Chrissy. Both. It was both. Okay, let's have Chrissy, Renata, Lindsay, I think I heard Sally. And Paula D. And Paula was ahead of me. Paula was ahead of me. Okay, well, we'll have Paula D first and then Sally. Let's go with that. Yes. Chrissy, let's go. You're up. Thank you, my friends. It's Chrissy, um, recovered compulsive eater and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, I when I'm listening to this, I'm just I'm identifying with with the doctor and how puzzled and helpless he felt. I work I work with a population of people that well that were seen as hopeless for many years, kids with autism, and I I can see I can see how I how much he had to believe in this in order to put himself out there and write this letter. Um, I'm sure, I can only imagine that it was, he had to be met with some criticism um, from, and I don't know the history of, of what his 
I don't know what his personal memoirs wrote or his doubts and his fears and kind of what he dealt with with people, but that he experienced that that not from his own personal experience, but witnessing miracles in front of his eyes. He and to write and to write this, you know, this isn't something that he went through. I personally went through a transformation. I personally have been relieved from an addiction that has no other cure besides a spiritual one and besides this program. And, and it's, it's almost hard for me to communicate it to people that it's real. You know, sometimes it's, it, you know, that, that negative side of me say, wow, is this really real? This is really real. And for him to be able to say that you don't have to doubt anything, anything that we say, you can trust anything that these recovered people are saying. And it wasn't even from his own personal experience. It was from his witnessing recovery. So I, this is a very convincing, convincing part of our book, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Thanks. And thank you, Chrissy M. Okay, Renata G., it is your turn. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Rate in New York. Um, you know, um, Dr. Sukor says, a competent businessman of good earning capacity was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard hopeless. You know, like it says here, Dr. Silkworth was a specialist, right? And, you know, he wasn't any, just a random doctor. And so, you know, there were many alcoholics that came to the hospital and they, you know, would come in drunk and beaten up and losing everything in life and desperate. And they would, you know, be separated from alcohol, receive treatment and be released to go home and never come back, you know, they would just straighten out. But then there were some some type of alcoholics that would come to the hospital and receive the same treatment and be separated from alcohol and, you know, go home. And after a few weeks or a few months or a few days even, they would come back to the hospital in worse shape than they were there before, you know. So those kind of alcoholics, like, you know, the doctor could not help them. The way I relate to it is, you know, every time I went to a diet program and people were successful, people were able to follow that program for like many, many years. And, you know, I I was puzzled, like why they could do it and I could not. You know, I tried. I, it, it worked for a while until it didn't work anymore. So, you know, what we're going to learn here in a doctor's opinion is, you know, what was like my real problem, that if I'm a real compulsive eater, I have an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body. And the only thing that works for me, you know, the only thing that could restore me to, to health, to, to enable me to, to have a normal, sane life, to have a sane relationship with food was the plan of recovered recovery described in this book. Just treating the, the physical part of my disease, just trying to be absent or just trying to be on a diet or just trying, you know, the new detox, whatever, the shakes, the, the, the Weight Watchers, like that was not enough. You know, I could not stay stopped. They would always work for a little bit, 
but I would always go back to the foods that were killing me, and I couldn't understand why. And so, you know, in the doctor's opinion, I learned that I I was, you know, that kind of compulsive overeater, the hopeless variety, because I was I could not understand why I kept coming uh, going back. But then, you know, the same way that Bill had recovered and many others, I recovered as well by following the plan outlined in this book. With that, I pass. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Renata G. Okay, Lindsay. Sarah Lindsay, star one to unmute. Hello. I'm I'm sorry. I lost track of when I was. Um, Good morning, everyone. This is Lindsay from New Hampshire. Um, uh, I uh, um, am a compulsive overeater and um, recovering, and um, I am enjoying reading the doctor's opinion with a whole, it's like I, one of the stories talks about having a brand new pair of glasses. I feel like I'm reading it and listening to it in a completely different way. I've gone back to this many, many years, and I feel like I'm, I'm trying to understand why does people study this. And um, I'm beginning to enjoy it. I'm finding myself asking lots of questions. And I just started on this again with a, a sponsor I'm working with yesterday. And the thing that really struck me was that last line, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. And I think about, well, you know, how how many um, doctors might say that about, you know, um, compulsive overeaters? And, and we've talked a lot on the meeting about, um, you know, OA having been watered down and, and people have not really recovered and absent not being it. And as somebody who has been in the same, pretty much same size body, I mean, I go up a little bit, but I've been in a thin body for many, many years, but not recovered. And um, sometimes my doctor is sort of baffled, you know, that my numbers look good and all that and physically, but then she sees where I go mentally and is sometimes very scared for me. And um, so I look forward to the day um, when I can be one of those people that my doctor might say, you can rely on anything that, that this person says because that hasn't been true of me at all my inconsistency and there's a lot of shame about that and um, so I just uh, wanted to, to point that out and how grateful I am that people are continuing to come on this meeting because I just drop out I'm inconsistent and I come back and you're all still there and I'm so very very grateful thank you and thank you Lindsay okay Paula D you're up Paula D that one to unmute and and there it is. I have done my job. <laughs> Unmuted. And thank you. Thank you for doing this service, Janice. And um, uh, in line with many here, I see. And I would like to go to, I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. This is it. It's personal. Would you know someone personally? And I'd like to share just a bit here. Someone knocked at my door. They were my neighbor. Hadn't seen them for at least two years. Young man, nice young man. Really liked him. A year and a half, he's been in a 12-step program. I wouldn't have known him. I wouldn't have known him. He was so full of joy. No joy. No joy when he left. He's married now. Has a baby. 
another one coming. This is a life transformed. And it goes on. So that word personally. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary, uh, yes, I said it in a different way, not really, possibility of rapid, rapid growth inherent in the group. There it is. We're part of a group that may mark, mark a new epoch. And this I'm reading exactly because it's huge in the annals of alcoholism. And it did. Finally, finally, we read about the spark. Now you're seeing that spark in this dark hospital ward where the doctor himself said there was little hope. And you see hope being born. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may, and this is huge to me, rely, as was just shared, rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Can you imagine? We're talking about alcoholics here. Alcoholics that had lives. They were doctors. They were lawyers. They were many, many housewives, house husbands, movers. rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. For finally, they know the truth and they speak the truth, and you hear the truth. Thank you for allowing me to share in this time. And with that, and I thank, do pass. Oh, sorry, Paula. And thank you, Paula, for sharing. Okay, Sally A., you're up. Sally. Thank you, Janice. How good to hear your voice this morning. Sally A., South Jersey, recovered from possible overeater. And I'm just going to piggyback on what Paula said to begin with. This well-known chief physician at a nationally prominent special hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, he gave them a letter. Do you really think he went and ran around and found them? Oh, I've got to give you guys a letter. No. They went to him for a letter. Why did they go to him for a letter? Because of who would believe these guys? As, as Paula was just saying, who would believe them? These guys were like me. They were flip-floppers. They were liars. They were schmoozers. These guys were in and out and in and out, making promises, getting in and out of the booze. Who would believe them? They had to go to this guy. They needed this guy to validate what they were saying because he saw it with his own eyes and because there was so much broken trust. Then we see this key word on this page, recovered, you know, when I came the first time and I heard the voices of recovery, people that we hear all the time on this line, the first time I heard them use the word recovered, I was shocked. I was willing to settle. I would have settled for skinny. I was willing to settle for the, for the almighty golden coin so that I could have my ego gratification and stand up and say, hi, I'm Sally. I've got five years of recovery and stand up skinny and looking good. But you know what? I didn't have to settle for dry drunk anymore because then I found out only three and a half years ago that there was more. There was recovered. And then finally I want to speak to this word, the type, hopeless. Can you imagine a medical doctor who says of the type hopeless? Can you imagine maybe even put that in his chart? This guy is the type, colon, hopeless. And interestingly, we also see that Carl Jung used the exact same word, hopeless, when he was referring to um, Roland Hazard. But these guys, they, in the, in, the, uh, 
in the second forward at the top of the page, they use the word seemingly hopeless. Yes, I seemed hopeless. Even to me, I seemed hopeless. After 52 years of wandering in a desert, struggling to just get the fat off. But it wasn't enough. And then there was that word, recovered. And I was changed. I was changed. I was willing. I was like Bill, walking up those steps to a hospital, willing to throw the bottle into the bushes and once and for all put the food down and then address the mental aspect of my disease. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. And thank you, Sally A. Okay, we have um, enough time for maybe two, two minutes, or a good three minutes. Anyone? Anita J. Anita J. Let's see. Let's see. Leah? Leah, yeah. Maybe we can do a couple of minutes each, and then we'll we'll be done. Okay, please go ahead, Anita J. Oh, thank you so much. This is Anita J. Thank you, Janice. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. The word recovered, I never noticed until vision for you. So that that is just that, and I've been in since 1978, willing to settle for living on that bridge, the bridge which I now realize was the abstinence. And uh, But that's not what I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention that ending. You can rely absolutely on anything they say. You know, there was a woman who has now become a very good friend of mine, and I think she's now on vision. Or, um, that's irrelevant. But the point is she used to stand up, and that when we used to stand up at meetings and talk about credibility. She wants people who are credible. I used to hate her. Why? Because it didn't matter if I were thin or fat. I knew she was speaking just to me, but I didn't know how to get out of it. I just didn't know credibility. Now, and I didn't want to understand. I never went up to her and said, what do you mean by that? And um, credibility on all three levels, willing to work this program daily. Why? Because it's transformed me. I mean, to some it comes quickly and to some it comes late, and it's just amazing when it comes. I didn't know, I didn't know, and, you know, you could say, my God, Anita, you're an educated woman, you've done this. That has nothing to do with addiction, absolutely nothing. And my ears were open, my eyes were opened, And it's the greatest joy now to be able to pass that on, especially to those on the lines and in the rooms who have been the way I've been and trying to put on the brave front. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, you're doing what? I mean, I'm talking to myself. It was an awful way to live. It doesn't matter because of the way I live now. And um, it's there for everybody everybody. So that's the wonderful news. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Anita J. Okay, Leah is going to wrap it up for us. Leah M. Thanks so much, Janice. This man and over 100 others appeared to have recovered. I mean, obviously, this letter is written by Silkworth, and, you know, it's been estimated that he worked with more than 51,000 alcoholics, you know, um, 
And, you know, he was seeing something remarkable. He was seeing something extraordinary. I mean, the men of science and medicine had stood powerless um, before the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body of these fellows. Um, and here something was happening um, that was extraordinary. Um, it says, you know, these men may well have a remedy for thousands of situations. Um, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Why is that? Well, you know, for the first time, um, these men and women were getting recovered, staying recovered, and they had a message. They had had an experience, an experience that precipitated transformation. This wasn't just information. This wasn't just uh, intellect. This was not superior beings uh, telling drunks, just don't drink. You know, just don't drink. They heard that from their parents. They heard that from their physicians, from their employers, priests, ministers, rabbis, judges, policemen, etc. Just like I heard, just don't eat. You know, uh, from my parents, from my physicians, from my friends. Uh, but here was men and women who had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. They carried a message of depth and weight. They were armed uh, with facts about themselves. And it was um, something that Dr. William Silkworth took notice of because this disease had annihilated all of the things worthwhile in life for these drunks. Dr. William Silkworth had seen that. Here was these, these men and women uh, who were bodily and mentally different now getting sober, staying, staying sober, and being rehabilitated, restored, not just mere elimination of alcohol, but a renewed life. And that was something uh, that Dr. William Silkworth uh, took notice of. It was extraordinary. It was beyond Ordinary, And that same uh, extraordinary event happens today um, when we implement these very same steps. With that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Leah M., and thank everyone who shared. Uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page one, 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Iris G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Iris, star one to unmute. Hi, this is Iris G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.